1: Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb.
3: Welcome and thank you for listening to the Now You Know Akron podcast. This is BJ Lisko. Craig Webb will join us momentarily. In today's Spotlight Story, we get to know Akron's new police chief, Steve Milet. My let talked with Craig Webb and Beacon Journal reporter Sean McDonnell in the midst of his journey from Bellevue, Washington to Akron, where he started on Monday. The new chief says he's planning to work long hours to start building relationships with the city. But first, here are three things you should know from recent headlines on BeaconJournal.com. Summit County is requiring staff and members of the public to wear a mask in county buildings, regardless of vaccination status, as the Delta variant of the coronavirus continues to surge. The City of Akron announced a similar policy last week for city employees and others entering all city buildings. Akron Mayor Dan Horrigan is calling for significant investments to reduce violent crime, improve housing, renovate Lock 3, attract retailers to Main Street, and find ways to give high schoolers what he called economic hope. Horrigan on Monday evening announced those initiatives and others in the annual State of the City Address with the main theme of economic recovery. Horgan's speech called for Akron residents to work together, saying that while there are systematic challenges, there is also significant opportunity. And finally, Akron area hospitals are welcoming back some 450 volunteers, some of the canine variety, but mostly humans, who have been returning to Summa Health System since the COVID-19 pandemic suspended programs. Beacon Journal reporter Betty Lynn Fisher takes a look at how each area hospital is welcoming back
0: its volunteers. BeaconJournal.com and all of our apps always feature updated headlines and subscriber exclusive content you can't find anywhere else. Today we're joined by Stephen Milet, who was the chief in Bellevue, not the one in Ohio, but the one in the outside Seattle, along with our crime reporter, Sean McDonald. Welcome. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Craig. So when, when I do these things, and we like to have a discussion, is, is I try not to freeze them in a moment in time, just because you know we want these to be timeless, right? But but I think it'd be remiss not to to start with the literal journey you're on right now, Steve. And I understand you're driving cross country to Akron, and this trip probably could be a podcast in and of itself, just talking about the trials and tribulations of driving such a distance, but. um so I'd like to start out with what's it like driving across the country and with a dog build. I, I believe you have a multi-poo dog along with
2: you. So, so what's the journey been like? So the multi-poo has gone from an adorable uh, little puppy in the last uh, – the, the dog's probably about eight months old, six, six, seven, eight months old, and has gone from an adorable little ball of fur to a rambunctious juvenile that um, doesn't want to be told no and he thinks he knows everything. So this journey with this dog has been uh, uh you know quite interesting for both my wife and I. And then behind us is my son Christian and his wife uh Lily who are traveling with our uh very senior cat. And so it's uh it's been quite the journey of comedy and and um, but we're getting close to Akron. We're in Rockford, Illinois right now. Last part of the journey starts today and we will be in Akron, uh, today. So I'm real excited about it.
0: So I, I won't ask about grandma who's strapped to the roof or
2: maybe that was a confusing thing I tend to do.
0: So obviously this is a journey in your career, right? I mean, so, so maybe just briefly tell us, you know, for those who are unaware of, of your, your background, a, a little synopsis
2: of, of your, your journey as a police officer. So, Craig, I appreciate the question. It, my journey started um, when I was a child. Um, today I'm actually wearing a shirt that uh, was produced to honor my father, uh, Walter Milet, who uh, started with the New York Police Department in 1954. Um, my father uh, was a founding member. Actually, he was the founding father of the modern-day scuba unit in NYPD, and um, my several of my brothers were with the police commissioner last week, where they honored my father. So my I come from a long line of uh, uh, police officers. My father, my uncles, cousins, my brothers. Um, so as a as a kid, those those values were instilled in me very early on. And I had made mention in one of the interviews, uh, at the town hall, that when I decided to enter law enforcement, my father took me aside and he said, look, when when I joined the New York Police Department and I went into the academy, predominantly displayed above the door as you entered into the academy was the phrase, at your service. And he said, son, and I'm number seven out of seven uh, sons. And he said, son, it's not about you. It's about serving the public. And that always that stuck with me even after all these, you know, these years. Actually, it's come back full circle, right, with community policing and the need to stay connected with uh, the communities that you serve. Um, but I entered the Corpus Christi Police Department in uh, January of 1989. I worked my way up through the ranks there. I spent the majority of my career in the patrol division, but I did experience undercover work in narcotics. And I actually taught the D.A.R.E. program for a year. Um and had various different, various assignments within the police department. Worked my w- way up to assistant chief over operations where I had all things related to, um, police officers. So detectives patrol and, and everything in the gamut. And then I was able to, uh, I had the great privilege of being, uh, hired by the city of Southlake, Texas as their chief of police. And Craig, if, if Corpus Christi taught me had to be an operations guy because there wasn't there really isn't many things uh, that I didn't deal with uh, in my career at Corpus Christi, minus a major terrorist attack. Southlake provided me this this opportunity to learn how to become an executive. It's like to me, South, the city of Southlake, Texas, is like an incubator to produce executives, and, um, and I owe the city manager there, Shawnee Yellowton, a tremendous debt because she taught me many things. I was able to put those two things together, operations, executive development, and I arrived in, in the international community of Bellevue, Washington. And there I got to experience people from so many different walks of life, different cultures, different customs, um, groups that had no relationship with the police. Groups that feared the police because of where they came from. Um, and we set out to build bridges into those communities, Craig, and, and, um, and I think we were successful. Um, at least based on some of the feedback I was getting as I was departing, um, it, it appeared that we had some success. We made, we made a lot of progress. And then here I am sitting in my truck in Rockford, Illinois, talking to you, uh, Craig and Sean and uh, about to embark on the new chapter of our journey. Uh, my wife and I, we've been married 30 years. We have four kids, two grandkids. All four of my children are married now. My son Christian just got married in Bellevue about three weeks ago. Um, and so we're ready for grandkids and ready to plant roots in Akron, Ohio, and bring them all there and um, and experience all the things that Akron has to offer
0: well, that's all the time we have today. No, I'm, I'm sure Sean is jumping at the bit to to get started. And I, and I think Sean's really, you know, he's been with us for a while and and has really, you know, made some connections, you know, in, in the city. And I, I'm kind of curious, Sean, what what kind of challenges and maybe questions you have that that are unique to Akron.
1: Well, I wonder, you know, and you've had a lot of time to think about this as you've, you know, driven across countries as, as long as the dog wasn't, you know, being allowed in the back, but. What have you thought about as far as what your challenges might be here? I know you still have to get in the city and learn the city, Um, but, you know, it's a it's a different place than Bellevue. It's different demographics, different size, different crime rates, some of the same problems of building bridges to communities. What do you what kind of things have you been thinking about to prepare as you get here?
2: You know, Sean, I think the the very first thing that I'm anxious to get started with is building relationships, um, relationships with the men and women inside the police department, um, members, that includes my executive team, um, building relationships within the city government, um, you know, because it is, it is a one-city team approach that, you know, we're all there to serve uh, the Akron community and the general public. But, you know, I guess one of the biggest areas that I am feeling, and, and, and when I say anxiety, it's not nervousness, but just this, this desire to get started. It's building a relationship with the Akron community. And and what it takes, Sean, is, is you have to build individual relationships, and then through those indiv- individual relationships, you're introduced to larger groups of people, and you're able to continue to build. And I am I am very uh, – I'm looking forward to engaging. I'm looking forward to hearing what the Akron community wants, demands, and deserves from their police department. And I'm sure this police department has been delivering uh, in many different ways, but, you know, I want to hear from them as well.
1: In this – you know, people keep calling it post-George Floyd – Um, and I don't know if that's the most accurate way to talk about it, but in this place we are now with policing in the country, what do you think it's going to take, um, to swing that pendulum the other way?
2: Wow. That's a, that really is a great question. I, I, you know, I I get a sense after the death of George Floyd and that was the spark that lit the powder keg that just exploded because these things have been building. For a long, long period of time. Craig, I'm looking at you on, on my cell and you're kind of looking a little bit more like me than Sean is with gray hair and, and just this senior level of wisdom, right, Craig, that, that you, that you're displaying. Um, and you, both you and I know that this, I mean, we were dealing with many of these things when we were growing up and certainly my parents and your parents. And again, it has been, this thing that's been building and has not been dealt with directly, Sean. And so what happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota was disgusting. It was, it was criminal. And the individual that, that did that is in jail and that's where he should be. So there was this outpouring of, of emotion, of anger, of cries for justice that were valid and legitimate. But it seems like we're in a spot, in a space now where things are just coming down just a little bit to where now people aren't yelling and screaming at each other. And we're going to now be able to enter into this place of dialogue. Because, Sean, that's the only way this is going to work, is if we sit down at the table together, listen to each other, and find a common path forward. Because I do believe, not everybody, I mean, we got a lot of people in this country, but I think the vast majority are all on the same page with, with the basic message. Everybody wants to be treated fairly. Everybody wants to be treated equally with equity. People want to be allowed to live their lives, regardless of what they look like, who they love, how they worship God. They want to be respected. They want they wanted to be treated with dignity. And starting out from that basic platform, I think we could achieve it in our lifetime. You know, and um, yelling at each other is not going to get it there. It's not going to get us there. Why? Because when you yell, and you know, people aren't listening.
1: Do you think this is the turning point? Do you think everybody's finally in a place that this can start to change?
2: I do, and I, and I look at the work that Akron has been doing under, um, Mayor Horrigan, and it's one of the things that attracted me to Akron. I look at all the committees that he and, and the city council put together, the work, the engagement, um, the work of the community, the, the, the ministers, the pastors. Um, you know, I got to interact with pastor coach, is a coach pastor or pastor coach, Kemp Boyd, um, and, you know, I, it was, it seems like Akron is got all the ingredients together to really move the dial. You talk about the pendulum swinging back. There are many areas that I wish that the pendulum would swing back towards, but where it can't swing back towards is where people are marginalized and people are treated unfairly. Again, based on the color of their skin how they worship God, who they love. But where I do want the pendulum swung back with is that the woes in this country do not all land at the feet of police. They do not, not in my humble opinion. And as we continue to demonize police and degrade their role in society, I'm sorry. My my feeling is that the group that capitalizes on that most are the people who are committing crimes, career criminals, and then the enemies outside of our country as well, I believe. These issues in our country have developed over, you know, a couple of hundred years, and it's going to take some time to untangle them and, uh, and to find, hopefully at some point, true peace in this country.
0: Oh, you you talk about that, and and I know Sean and, and I were, were both um, downtown, and on went a week, when there were Black Lives Matter protests, and, and there were as many protesters as there were protesters. In some ways, I mean, I, I I think at one point we may have had four different rallies going on at the very same time. And I, and I guess I I just you know kind of curious, picking your brain a little bit. I mean, there's a chorus of voices, right? I mean, and, and how do you find unity when there's such when, when, when everyone does even, you know, everyone's saying a different part in the course. And, and and can we get to that point where where there is, you know, a, a,
2: a common ground, you
0: think? Or is it?
2: I do, Craig, I really do. I do think that we can get there. Um, but as you were downtown and there were the the uh, various different groups that were protesting, um, rallying, I would imagine, you know, I could tell you from my experience in Bellevue, um, but I would imagine it, it probably was the same in Akron. People were screaming and yelling at each other, and well, we should
0: add and, pro police too.
2: I mean, there, there was I, know, continued- I know, I know. So we throw them in Probably six or eight different groups. Absolutely, there's no doubt. Yes, and so people aren't listening, and I do think that we we can get there, but I think it's going to take leadership. I think it's going to take leadership from within the various groups that are advocates for one view or the other. Um, and I think there's been an absence of that at the national level. And I would like to see that come forward. Yeah, you know, in Bellevue, we had riots in Bellevue, which was the first time in the history of that city. On May 31st, that was a a time that, I mean. It was an incredible sight to to witness, and of course, we're right next to Seattle, and we were sending resources every day into Seattle uh, to assist them with their troubles. And what I found was the Black Lives Matter protesters were coming in there, and Craig, they were loud, they were angry, they were they were you know raising their voices up, which they have a constitutional right to do, but they weren't. Again, in my in my estimation, my view. Because I witnessed a lot of it, they weren't the ones that were burning down buildings and assaulting people, we had anarchist groups in Washington as well come up from Portland and other places within Washington, and they are the ones that were hurling Molotov cocktails they were the They were the ones that were hurling rocks and and other uh, devices. I'm not sure if it was the same in in Akron or not, but the fact is that there is a movement in our country. To uh, destabilize government and um, and to destroy government, and that's the anarchist movement as well. So yeah, there's a whole hodgepodge of different ideologies at work, and I do think that it's going to take leadership on the national level. I don't mean this, question. and and in the local level as well. It should be in the local level as well.
0: And I don't mean this question is a trap or even a softball, but. I I'm kind of curious what kind of leader you are. I mean, well, is it likely we could see you in a patrol car oh, you or work in the jail in or, I mean, just to learn all aspects of the operation? I mean, we see in the dispatch center, are you going, your, your plan is to not necessarily work nine to five, but to,
2: it is a 24-hour operation, right? Brother Mike, am, I am proud to wear my uniform every single day, and I wear my uniform every single day at work. I think in the six years that I've been in Bellevue, there's probably been a handful of days that I came in in civilian clothes or non, a non uniform. I am, I am so proud of my profession and I think it's the most noble of professions. Uh, and I take great pride in wearing that uniform and getting in police cars. Now I'm not going to be able to chase people down like I once did when I was 24 years old. So I'm going to be a little bit more selective and choosy on, on activities. But yes, I am. The, the, the type of leader I am, I'm a servant leader. I believe in all the, the principles and, and traits of a servant leader and I, I try not to stay behind the desk. Unfortunately the last couple of years it seemed like I was, but I am out in the field quite a bit and the community, I make this commitment, you will see me and and I hope you want to see me and you know the members of our police department. but I will be right there with the men and women. Both sworn in civilian of the of the Akron Police Department.
1: What's the game plan when you join a new department? So this will be your third time coming in as a chief. Um, I know you've got to get in to know what exactly needs to be changed or if anything needs to be changed here. But what's your general game plan as you take a chief's position?
2: It's it's what you and I are doing right now, Sean. It's 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 building a relationship and building trust and credibility with each other. It's, it's probably the the um, it's not the hardest thing to do, because I think people are looking for openness, honesty and consistency. But that takes time to develop. I can't I can't walk in uh, the front doors of the Akron Police Department and expect people to trust me. Uh, um, that's earned. That's earned in the police department. That's earned in the city. But that is definitely earned in the community. Uh, and it takes time. So uh, I'm going to be working hard at doing that. My wife, God bless her, and, and I am so fortunate that I marry the best woman on the planet. She uh, she knows the drill. And so as I did in Southlake and in Bellevue, it's going to be long days, working on the weekends. There will be very little time off because it's in the interaction, Sean, um, that you start building the relationship, the credibility and the trust once the credibility and the trust is earned, then that will change the dynamics just a little bit um, but you got to be seen and you gotta show up and I will be showing up to a lot of things again under the direction of my boss Charles Brown the director of public safety and and mayor Horgan.
1: Do you think there'll be any I don't know if I want to call it culture shock or Changes, cause you will be, you'll coming from the West Coast. You know, as we were looking at this police chief search, it was pretty clear that a lot of laws, a lot of policing, uh, things were different on the West Coast. You know, this will be your first time, I think, in the Midwest. Um, do you expect any, any challenges there?
2: I think what the state leaders are doing in the state of Washington to policing is very dangerous. There are already many, many, many restrictions that Washington law enforcement has upon itself, uh, or upon the profession because they took the, the U.S. Constitution and they, with the Washington State Constitution, Article 1, Section 7 provided even more restrictions on policing. But the officers always work within those boundaries. Here recently on the, in this last legislative session they made it even more restrictive on police and it's some of the things that we were i was dealing with on my way out with the new laws there are officers that are leaving the profession there are officers there are people that had thought about coming into the profession that aren't now so i will continue to pray for wisdom over there in washington but coming into ohio compared to that it is it's going to be night and day and um, as far as the culture shock goes, each community has its own identity and its own way, right? So there's the Corpus Christi way, the the South Lake way, Bellevue, and Akron has its way. And so I think the Akron way is engagement with the community. Again, outside looking in, I believe that's what I will find. And and I'm not concerned about being able to be uh, um, be able to navigate through. The Akron waters. Um, I'm not. I'm really not. Because you know what, Sean? People are people, and I promise you. As I'm looking at you, I I got the same person over in Bellevue. That is Sean, right? Same character, personality, and everything else. And people are people. The challenges in the community are going to be a little bit different, but I think I think uh, you know we'll be we'll be good.
0: I, I believe that Sean of the parallel universe is probably in jail, I, I do believe. <laughs> I do a little DC. I, I watch all the parallel universes and the uh, Flash and all that. I, I guess, you know, something – it's not unique to Akron, but, but you know, we, this discussion has gone a little long, but I I feel like maybe we, we should discuss a little bit about transparency. You know, we, we've had some issues with, you know, promptness of releasing, you know, body cam videos or even reports. I mean, what's your – I mean, I, I'm a journalist, so, you know, my my feeling is – what people conjure cannot be as bad as the truth, <laughs> you know what i mean the, 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 you know it, it's true i mean I, I just think what people imagine happened or or think that that I always say to a politician anyone, I'm like you know just the truth i mean I, t- trust me whatever people are thinking happened is far worse than than what the truth really was, and what's your what, what's your thoughts on transparency and, and just promptness of releasing public information so that, that you know
2: say information right, so I go that 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 is directly connects to to building credibility and trust, there are times when you know because of the sensitivity of an investigation and such that you know you, you don't want to compromise an investigation, but those are in, in my estimation should be the exception as opposed to the rule my my position since I've been in the you know positions within the police department interact with the media on the level that I'm doing. I get information to your hands as quickly as possible because you are the gateway into the public. And so I rely on you all to tell the story accurately. Um, and what you will find in me is I will get the information out as quickly as humanly possible, working within the boundaries of the law. In Bellevue, there was hesitation when I got there to share information with the media and the public and there's a lot of reasons for that I won't go into because that will be a podcast all by itself. Um, over about a period of three years, we moved that needle and we changed the direction to where now our officers are are wanting to get information out as quickly as possible into the public's hands because it builds credibility. And, Craig, we got nothing to hide, man. You know, we got nothing to hide. And if we step in on a landmine and we step in a pile of, of whatever – we need to own it, and we need to own it today, not defer it for three or four months, because that's just going to continue to anger people and cause suspicion. You need to get it out immediately and get it into people's hands. But, again, working within the boundaries of the law and the policies of the city, that's my position on it, getting information well, out quickly. I
0: think that's where the where the frustration comes in. I mean, if there's a police chase last night and it seems like the dash camp videos release the next day, but if there's an incident involving police officer, it, you know, we've waited months, you know, for that body cam. And I understand there are some betting, there are some things, but, you know, I, I think for the public's perspective and maybe even ours is like, well, you know, we didn't do the due diligence with a poor guy who was, you know, the drunk driver driving through uh, our beloved rubber statue downtown Akron. And we released it within 12 hours. But, you know, we wait
2: months for, for some things. And so, you I know, think that's
0: where the other. This truck, yeah. And, and where,
2: where would that comes from? You know, and that's and that dynamic is is frustrating. But I will add this one last thing, Craig, is that within the last two or three years, things have changed in in the country and we're seeing more and more. Officers being attacked um, away from work. I mean, it's bad enough they're getting attacked at work, but they're getting attacked in their homes. They're getting ambushed. There was one, I think, in somewhere in the south here recently, where an officer went home to on duty to grab something to eat, and and he was ambushed. Um, and so there is there are security issues for our employees as well, because as you well know, there are there are people that are. Um, easily influenced, and, um, you know, it's not going to take much to push them over. So there's this balance. Um, but, again, my, my position is we need to get the information out as quickly as possible and humanly as possible.
0: Yeah, dynamic that night, I just looked it up because I'm not that smart. You know, I, th- I guess there's like 197,000 people in, in Accur... There's that many reporters, right? Right now,
2: <laughs> maybe not everyone
0: <laughs> has a Maybe the two year olds don't have phones, but but you know, in some ways, that's right. It's kind of hard to control information because everyone has a cell phone, is a citizen journalist, right? I mean, that's and, and right. Has social media accounts and has hundreds of followers, and next thing you know, I mean, it it, it is kind of it, it, it's a very different. And uh, we talk about gray hair, but it's very different from when I started through. Each- yeah, it, it, you're waiting day to find out the news.
2: Right. That's right. And, you know, it's it's important that and I think we both have seen this where you get this little release of the citizen journalist. It's a 10 second snippet of a story that is much, much larger, much more complicated, much more involved. You're seeing one little sliver and that's where we have an opportunity, especially with body camera information, um, to fill in the rest of the story and fill in the rest of the blanks, and then the public can make their own judgment with all the information. And again, if we if we do something, we need to own it. But I would venture to guess that the vast majority of the interactions between the police, the Akron Police Department, and um, the public are within the rules and laws of the state of Ohio, the Constitution of the United States. And then the the uh, provisions of the policies within the city of Akron. So with that, again, I don't we have nothing to hide.
0: Sean looks like he's ready to jump to the computer screen. I will reserve the last question for Sean. Sean,
1: one thing, and you kind of touched on this with the attitudes of police, and this is a you know a problem Akron's facing right now that I'd like to get your your thoughts on. Uh, we did a story not too long ago about how recruitment numbers were down. Less people were taking the test to want to be a police officer. I think it was down by half even over two years. All I, I've never talked to a police chief who has enough cops. I've never, you know, 25, 30 departments I've covered. What do you think it's going to take to attract people back to the profession? Because to make change, you're going to need change agents.
2: You know, that's, that is another great question. All these are great questions. Um, I think, I think we, as a profession, I think we have the, the support of most people in communities, but the profession has taken many, many hits, especially over the last eighteen months, and, Sean, it's a. It's a it, it, that is going to be the question that, that i think the chiefs from all around the country through the international association's of chiefs of police are trying to figure out that path forward you know i i was in a situation here within the last few weeks and most often in my career if i come across a a, a kid a child you know the child looks up points and says look mommy a police officer Right. And then there's smiling and there's, you know, you know, interaction. And uh, I recently experienced, look, mommy, a police officer and the mother pulling the child back away from me. And that hurt. That really did. Because what I represent as I'm wearing my uniform, obviously, is something different than what the mother was seeing me as. And we got to get back to the point where. Police are no longer vilified, demonized, and you know, but let's face it, we own some of that as a profession. Craig, you're talking about the transparency. We got to do better with transparency. We got to market ourselves. And I'm not talking about like a salesman, but tell our stories because there's so much outstanding work that's being done in every community across the country. And we just do this poor job of telling the story. And so as we make those deposits into the trust bank account, public confidence goes up. There's more display of public support. And I think that will start attracting people back into the profession. Because right now, you know, the question is, I was in a a farewell uh, celebration on my way out, and somebody in the audience said, who would want to be a police officer today? Well you know what, my father faced that same thing in the nineteen seventies. It'll swing back and it will come back. Um and we have gotta be part of that equation. We have to be part we being the police profession, we gotta be part of earning that that respect back.
0: Well, thank you so much. This has been a great discussion and and I, I guess when you I don't think I have anything to offer for your ordinary old cat but you know your young dog there there is the uh, dog days at canal park where you can go watch a minor league game the rubber ducks and you they welcome the dog on certain days but welcome to akron I, I guess the only advice i can offer you is to get cheese on the salad at um luigi's and uh, make sure you try a galley boy at, at Swensen's. so so thank you so much for this discussion and let's thank make you. a promise that good times are bad we, we will reconvene and, and continue our discussions right sean mm-hmm. and
1: thank you for taking the time today on your cross-country road trip hopefully you're uh your time here isn't as rocky as, as that's been.
2: <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity, uh, Craig and Sean, and I really am looking forward to uh, building this relationship with, with you two and, and the Akron Beacon Journal and, and the entire media groups in, within Akron. Um, i um, I start on Monday, so, uh, I'm looking forward to, to interacting more, more frequently. Thank you. That's all we have today for Now You Know Akron. Be
0: sure to join us again next week. Episodes will be released every Wednesday, wherever you download your favorite podcast, And also available on BeaconJournal.com and all our various apps. Before we go, I'd like to thank our producer, BJ Lisko. He always makes us sound good. And urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. If you've already signed up, we thank you. Until next week, Now You Know Akron.